This is a One More Mosh Pit production. History abridged Carl Panzerum. Now, if you listen to the last episode, things got pretty sketchy here and there, right? And it was pretty rough. Yeah, if you did not listen to the last episode, um, go back and listen to it before you make any any decisions on whether you actually want to listen to this one. <laughs> yeah, things are going to get a little more rough from here on out. Um, as I said, Carl Panzerum was a quote machine. He was. I have a few more laying here that I probably could get out of the way. Um, do you remember? I'm not sure if I can place this in time, but do you remember two certain incidences that happened to Carl in his youth that may or may not be, have been traumatic? Uh, well, yeah, I can think of a few. It's the hobo rape. I'm talking about the hobo well, gang rapes. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I believe he might have been talking about those incidences here, but there's, I can't guarantee that. But it's another quote. Nonetheless, these two experiences taught me several lessons. What? Lessons that I have never forgotten. I did not want to learn these lessons. But I found out that it isn't what one wants in this world that one gets. Force and might makes right. Perhaps things shouldn't be that way, but that's the way they are. I learned to look with suspicion and hatred on everybody. As the years went on, that idea persisted in my mind above all others. I figured that if I was strong enough and clever enough to impose my will on others, I was right. I still believe that to this day. Another lesson I learned at that time was there were a lot of very nice things in the world. Among them were whiskey and sodomy. But it depended on who and how they were used. I have used plenty of both since then, but I have received more pleasure of them since than I did in those first times. 
Those were the days when I was learning the lesson that life teaches us all. And they made me what I am today. I don't know what his scope is, um, but yeah. life teaches us all. I, I You know that coming don't. of age cliche of getting butt fucked by a bunch of hobos? Yeah. You know, it's a it's a rite of passage in the Americas. Yeah, I mean, and if that has happened to you or a loved one, I hope you're in therapy right now. Yes, definitely. It, Hobos, man. Clearly, even though Carl saw himself as a, a real, you know, man of the world, he still had a pretty skewed outlook on things. Yeah, he was Obviously. definitely, well, I mean, uh. You'd have to have... Yeah, I guess. you'd have to. Maybe he was <sighs> making justifications. Maybe he was trying to make sense of it in his damaged brain. But Yeah, or maybe that's just... He really did think that this was <sighs> not... Well, I mean, the crowd he hung out with pretty much exclusively consisted of other hobos and inmates in prison. Right. So I guess maybe that was par for the course for these folks. Fool me once. Anyway, whenever... Give me whiskey the second time. <laughs> whenever... It um, is the social lubricants. Right, right, right. So, it, where we left off... I guess off. it is. Whenever we left episode one of Carl Panzerum, John got, Mento had just been fired from Oregon State Penitentiary, where Carl was a prisoner. Uh, he was fired for his fire hose treatment... Which was pretty much doled out to Carl and a few other inmates that were as bad as him or close to it. Caused a big scandal. Got him shit canned. It was very scandalous. Um, So his replacement, Charles A. A very different guy. Yeah, his replacement, Charles A. Murthy, was a reformer. And he was the first person in an authority. In a, in a position of authority that didn't treat Panzerum like just some kind of rabid, feral animal. I don't know. You guys you guys can form your own opinions about this, dude. I I, I can't believe... I, I, I refuse to believe that Panzerum had him snowed. This guy just yeah. came in with... He's like the substitute teacher. And it's like, yeah, Mr. Johnson was my dad. You could call me Dave. Yeah. He kind of went a little too far in the other direction. So, Murphy abolished the various torture punishments in the prison and made peeling potatoes the worst form of punishment. So, that Very earned different. Him the nickname Spud. He improved the quality of the inmates' food, fixed the phone lines, and offered more jobs for the inmates. The mayhem and tension waned significantly and disciplinary reports went down see these were good ideas these yeah. these these ideas good ideas great yeah. i mean he was a reformer so uh, there was some decisions later that really be very questionable yeah and like improving the food in the prison was a big deal oh yeah definitely it was pretty much common practice in prison in case of wellness checks on the prisoners to make the prisoners deceptively look healthy the inmates would be stuffed with carbs they they'd be fattened up but they'd still be nutrition starved and um, this just, would actually kill some inmates kind of like us consisting on a diet of ramen noodles and right potatoes i am bloating this practice is still commonplace i mean it's still yeah the carbo loading it is 
Um, Carl attempted to escape again and was caught with a saw in his cell because, huh. you know, just because those are just laying around in prison. Right. But instead of being subjected to punishment, Carl received more rations and was allowed to have magazines by Warden Murphy. Carl still made subsequent escape attempts, and he was very adamant that he couldn't be rehabilitated, but Murphy allowed Carl out of prison so he could come and go as he pleased, as long as he was back by supper. Yeah, just let him out the I gate. Mean, like, it, and this sounds stupid to us. It sounded really stupid to Pansrum as well. I mean, he got, they got out there and like, it almost felt like it was a trap, but... Also, he's kind of dumbfounded by this opportunity, and he was so, like, dumbstruck with it that he didn't even attempt to escape or even leave. I mean, he couldn't... He was. It was just so unbelievable. There had to be a, a catch or something, but there wasn't. Which, I mean, I guess that was the goal, you know? That was what the intentions were, to make the prisoners not want to escape or not feel like they should escape. Um, I don't know, but eventually... Carl would start to change. He was given some jobs. He was put on the baseball team. He he wasn't any good. I mean, just a Minnesota dirt farmer. Doesn't seem like <laughs> a you know the right guy to hand a bat to. He was made the drum major for the prison marching band. Once so again, you know they know he's good. At, he's good at handing out a beating. Maybe he might be good at that. He was he was even worse at that oh, yeah. than he was at baseball. He doesn't look like a fellow with rhythm. No, they had him carry the prison flag so he could he could at least competently do that to a certain extent. Oh, good for him. Yeah, both the baseball and marching band outfits traveled a lot traveled around the state to play music or play baseball exhibitions all summer and these prisoners were just under the guard of one man. So Naturally, around 15% of them escape during these experiments. Yeah, these are experiments in prison reform where yeah. <laughs> fucking only 85% of them came back from the Summer Baseball League. And again, like in the last episode we talked about, there were different groups of prisoners in this prison. There was first grade, second grade, third grade, first grade were the, you know, like minimum security Guys, third grade was what Carl would have been. So, I don't know. I guess you might think this was something that could potentially be okay for, like, the first grade prisoners. But, like I said, Carl was a third grade prisoner. And and the was, last motherfucker, you go, hey, yeah. just let him, let him just walk around town. Yeah, but he became an outside trustee. He was allowed to stay out after dark, enjoyed himself. And there was even talk about parole. But one night, he was out drinking with the girls. Yeah, drinking with the girls, which and means that he wasn't out fucking the girls. He was out drinking with them and right. gossiping. And he was, yeah. He, he, was, was, he was just having a good old time. Um, and he decided he didn't need to go back. So he screwed up his whole arrangement. He was captured in a big, ugly gun battle and brought back a week later. Carl wasn't really afraid to go back to the prison as he was. He wasn't so much afraid to go back to the prison as he was to see the disappointment on Murphy's oh, face. Oh, yeah. He just he yeah. felt bad about that. He did. It's just a... like our, our dogs whenever they yeah. tear some expensive shit up. And it's just like, oh, no. You're mad at us. He he I knows know. what he did. Yeah. But um, Murphy made an example of Carl 
probably really surprising him by reopening the bullpen. Carl would usually scream and act up and try to break stuff during these punishments, but for this one, he took it in silence, showing his shame. He was sent back to Gin Pop, stealing a trusty cook uniform, and sawing out of a cell using a bar spreader. Carl eventually escaped from the Oregon State pen and left the state. Warden Murphy would be declared a dismal failure and lose his job. And very well he should have. He should have. This was not a... I can't imagine he had anyone backing him with this quote-unquote experiment. It was ridiculous. Well, over this next part, get used to a lot of yacht talk. Oh, fancy. In the summer of 1920, Carl would resurface in New Haven, Connecticut. Here he would exact vengeance on William Howard Taft, seven years out of office as U.S. President. Carl broke into the former president's home and stole $40,000 in jewelry and bonds and a 45 Colt automatic. Wow. He bought a yacht with the sold jewels, the Akista. Here, Carl would begin his foray into mass murder. He went to New York City to hire sailors to help him on his yacht with false promises. He would get the sailors drunk, often sodomize them. No kidding. I imagine always sodomizing them. And he would kill them with a headshot from Taft's pistol, a president's gun. Yeah. He'd take them out a mile out or so in his rowboat, tie a rock to them, and sink them. While he was just coasting around New York, Panzerum killed 10 men over a few weeks, keeping all of their earthly possessions. He found three sailors he would keep so they could go down the East Coast and help him pirate from other yachts. They would only make it to Atlantic City, New Jersey, when they got into some kind of scrum and they were run aground and Panzerum had to abandon everything. All his murder loot and the Akista. What a sad day. From here, Panstrom would go on a world tour of horrid mayhem and commit his most heinous of crimes. He ran into some obstacles before embarking on his world tour, however. He went back to New Haven to score some more big loot, but he was popped for burglary and did six months for it. He decided he wanted to be a legitimate sailor during a strike as a scab, where he had other scabs inexplicably go into a gunfight with cops when he got an aggravated assault charge. He got out on bail and sailed to Europe and caught a ship to Africa. This is where he would really amp up the terribleness. Oh boy. Mm. Brace yourselves. Yeah, this is... Well, he would get a job as a slave driver for the Sinclair Oil Company. And I don't mean like, oh, my manager, he's a slave driver. No. No, he worked as a slave driver for the Sinclair Oil Company in Africa. While he was there, still trying to be a heterosexual, Mm. he would purchase an 11-year-old girl for just $8 from her family. Carl was still in denial about his being full-blown gay. And he purchased the girl under the assumption that she was a virgin. Remember, he's still on the not wanting to get any fucking, not wanting to get the fucking bug or anything like that. And yeah. dick rot. Well, he couldn't be sure. He, he brought her back claiming she wasn't a virgin. And he traded her for her eight-year-old sister. But he brought her back as well, still on the back of his supposed fears of STDs. Claiming her virginity dubious as well. Yeah. So, so it didn't end as horribly as it could have, but it's still pretty. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You don't, he doesn't divulge the details in between Mm -hmm. purchasing the girls and then bringing them back the next day. And you know, he at least inspected them. Maybe. In some way. He might have just been too grossed out by all of it. But anyway, we need to move on. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. (sighs) Pansman would go back to looking for a boy after this short foray into heterosexuality. He selected a table waiter from the Sinclair Oil Camp, a native African boy. Carl would remark, I educated him in the art of sodomy, as practiced by civilized people. But he was a savage and didn't appreciate the benefits of civilization. You see how he churched it up there where he was like, civilized people. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, yeah. He's completely. It's still not. I'm gay. It's no. still. It's still a. And it's like it's caviar or some shit. Yeah, he's still he's still classifying himself as civilized. I guess he did buy a yacht, so. I reckon. I guess that, I what that gets you. I don't know, but the boy ratted out Pansrum for his indiscretion, and it resulted in Carl's termination from his employment. Subsequently, Carl would beat the boss nearly to death as one does when fired. After this, Carl would attempt to return to the States by going to the U.S. consulate. However, the Sinclair Oil Company had called ahead and denied him passage. Well, I guess after the consulate, he got bored, and Carl would find a 12-year-old boy in the park by the Sinclair camp in Angola. He would lead him away to a gravel pit a quarter mile away, sodomize him, and bash his head in with a rock. <sighs> Carl said he left the boy with brains coming out of his ears. Ugh. Quote, He will never be any deader. He's still there. On his way out, Carl would set fire to a Sinclair oil rig. It would cause hundreds of thousands in damages. And these claims are fact-checked by contemporary sources and confirmed. He, he had it out of there like fucking trash can man setting a fucking oil rig on fire. Yeah, he just... Was it but something to fucking burn? He just blew the whole place. Uh, he got a ticket down to a place called Libido Bay, mm. which I don't know where if that's ironic. Or... Sounds like a reality show. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. He rented a canoe there and hired six locals under the guise of hunting crocodiles. When they were looking away... Carl shot them all from behind and then each of them again in the head to make sure they were dead and let the crocodiles do the work of disappearing the corpses. He didn't even kill any crocodiles? No, I guess not. It was just just for funsies. From here, Panzerum traveled to Portugal. He tried the U.S. consulate there, but no avail as news of him had already made it there. Imagine that. He stowed away in an English ship and made it back to New York by the summer of 1922. Well, another 12-year-old, Henry McMahon, would have the rotten fate of running into Carl in Salem, Massachusetts. He beat the boy to death with a rock after sodomizing him, leaving another dead youth with brains protruding from his ears, and police reports confirm this account. See, now he's just... Now he's just being lazy. He's not even, like, diversifying. Well, he's found his niche. He decided to get back into the yeg grind, and Carl selected another boy, George. 
Or George. Yeah. I I heard it and my first inclination was to joke about it, but I just I just don't yeah, have it in me right now. I don't really feel like belting out any culture club no. right now. Pansrum would shoot and kill a man trying to steal a yacht he had just stolen in Rhode Island. The murder weapon was a gun from a yacht owned by the New Haven, Connecticut Police Commissioner. Everybody had a fucking yacht. Yeah, it sounds like it. They just gave those fucking things away. Mm. Well, George decided crime wasn't for him, and Carl just cut him loose. George would go to the police when he returned home and report the doings of Pansrum. Carl would be arrested in New York and charged with sodomy, burglary, and robbery. He bartered for legal counsel by offering up the yacht, (laughs) you know, the stolen yacht. And it worked. He beat the rap. The lawyer tried to register the yacht and found out it was stolen and gave it back to the owner. Another boy in Connecticut would cross paths with Pansrum. He likely sodomized the boy before gagging him with a handkerchief and strangled him with his own belt. Maybe there weren't any rocks laying around. Sometimes there's just not enough rocks. On August 19th, 1923, the night after the robbery in Larchmont, New York, Carl was arrested and was sentenced five years after the last five years he spent running and dealing in full-on mayhem. He was sent to Clinton Prison in Dannemora, New York. Dannemora was given the moniker Siberia of America. That sounds majestic. Mm. It was the prototype for Alcatraz. Dannemora was very isolated and populated mostly by prison employees, past and present, and their families. Working in the prison was like a trade that was passed down through generations. I don't know, it sounds kind of weird, but I yeah, guess that's just the way it was like the done. Only fucking place in town. Yeah, inmates who lost their mind in Dannemora were sent down the street to the state hospital for the criminally insane. The state hospital was so bad that prisoners preferred solitary confinement to go in there. Shortly after being put in prison, Carl resorted to his ways of mayhem and escape attempts. The prison had walls that extended 30 feet above the ground and 20 feet below to prevent tunneling. That's, I mean, that's that's solid stuff. Yeah, you want to have a solid foundation anyway. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, but... Make it a real pain in the ass to go underneath. Yeah, but Carl did manage to build a ladder and... He made it completely out of gardening equipment. Like, how much fucking gardening yeah. equipment did they have? He was able to make a 30-foot ladder. Yeah. And what what the fuck did he hold all this shit together? Where was I, everybody else when he was I building know. this fucking what thing? What are these people doing? This was a to-do. Yeah, so, but as you might imagine, when he tried to use the ladder to scale the wall... He got almost to the top when it failed. He fell near nearly 30 feet to the concrete below where he broke both ankles, both legs, fractured his spine, and as he described, quote-unquote, ruptured himself. I fucking hate that word. I don't know what... I don't that know what means. this injury. I'm I'm imagining a hernia situation. Yes, yeah. I, Some kind I of lining so, busting open. Yeah, but, but ruptured himself. Uh, he spent five days ruptured. in the prison hospital before being put back in a cell without his bones being reset or his legs being put into casts. 
He remained in that cell for eight months without the care of a physician. And the way he healed from that basically um, made him crippled indefinitely. Well, after 14 months, Carl was taken to the hospital to surgically correct his rupture. He would lose a testicle in the procedure. With the new information of his loss, Carl was anxious to know if he could still perform. He would attempt to rape a fellow inmate while he was still in his hospital bed. How the fuck do you... I, never mind, let's just keep moving. <laughs> like it's just been cut out of him. Like stitches are fresh. He's in his hospital bed. I don't... I can't with just the logistics, the rep- but I'm oh not going to try to think about it too much. It's got to evolve all this. I mean, mm. just the the thrusting of it would just... Uh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of the logistics here. Yeah. Um, Carl would be put back into his cell for three years to await sentencing. Quote, The more they misused me, the more I was filled with the spirit of hatred and revenge. I was so full of hate that there was no room within me for such feelings as love, pity, kindness, honor, or decency. I hated everybody I saw. Yeah, Carl had a lot of time on his hands while he was healing up. He dedicated so much thought to murder, and he was really deliberate in his thoughts. He was an absolute monster, and he knew it, and he owned it. He was pretty average, or above average height. He was a little shy of six feet, but he had a huge presence, just, you know, kind of like you, Zach. Uh, he was also a troll to justify his violence and hostility, and he fucked up about every every chance. Just a sniff of an opportunity at redemption, he was going to fuck it up. Quote, My whole mind was spent on figuring out different ways to annoy and punish my enemies. And everybody was my enemy. Annoy. Uh, <laughs> That seems kind of light for Pansum. Yeah, he he just wanted to annoy. He's just, you know, being a little troll, just annoying people, picking want, at them. I want to be the pain in their ass, not literally. He's like the antithesis of Batman, but with the same voice in this particular <laughs> podcast anyway. <laughs> um, I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> I'm committing sodomy. Uh, yeah. Well, he planned... I know how he got those scars. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, he planned and thought so much about murder that he would just make these grandiose plans for mass murder at Danamora, but obviously they were futile because... Crazy, he was, large-scale plans. Yeah, he just had these huge plans of mass extermination at the prison. Um, and, but, like, big loot takes, too. Like, ridiculous. I mean, he was he was just disabled. He was all injured and completely crippled from his injuries. Like, still, oh, like, comparing the two, knowing what I know about a, one group and him, he was worth a hundred Bonnie and Clydes as far oh, as yeah. the takes they took. And they wasted a lot of bullets and... There was a lot of overhead for their shit. Carl just went in and fucking took it. It was incidental whether or not he left a smashed head dead boy anywhere near. But he just... 
He robbed a fucking president. He was a one-man wrecking crew. Putting it lightly, he was absolutely insane. But he planned to commit commit. He only needed one testicle, the balls on this motherfucker. Uh, Yeah, he planned to commit robberies and buy dynamite and formaldehyde and maybe a few hundred pounds of sulfur. He planned to hit a railroad tunnel that ran between Pennsylvania and Maryland. Inside the tunnel, he wanted to place a contact bomb on the tracks with all of the stolen ingredients beside it, filling the tunnel up with deadly gas and just killing mass groups of people. He planned to shoot anyone coming out of the tunnel, and then when everyone was dead, he wanted to go in with a gas mask and loot the train cars and corpses. He also planned to blow the bridge behind it to buy himself time for the looting. Now, I mean, he's fucking thinking. Yeah, he's got big plans, and he... I mean, he's biting off more than he can chew, but he's fucking got this planned out. I mean, I figured he had plenty of time to think about it, but... He wanted to kill hundreds of people. Okay, this is where the... This is the plan that... This is where the plan gets kind of silly. Yeah. (laughs) Still, I mean, it... I can't speak to the plausibility of this working at all, but... He would use the money from the loot from this heist to invest into the stock market. And to get the most profit from his investment, he would start a war between the U.S. and England, as diplomacy was already strained between the two countries at this time in 1927. His plan was to dress as a Navy man and wait until a British ship anchored in the Hudson River in New York. He'd put Navy flags on some small boats load one with TNT, anchor it by the ship, light 15-minute fuses to the dynamite, then very obviously and indiscreetly paddle away in hopes that an Englishman saw him doing all this. Or he'd buy an English ship and use it to blow up a lock in the Panama Canal. Because I'm playing both sides so that I always come out on top. Another one of his more small small scale but still pretty convoluted plans involved six hogs and a barrel of arsenic oh good lord (laughs) he planned to he planned on starving the hogs and feeding them a mash of water flour and arsenic this seems like he's got the arsenic okay i don't know how the hog this has been done before but this is what he'd do when they'd all dive into it and fill themselves full in an hour or two the poison would begin to work through their systems. Then I was going to hang them by their hind legs with a wash tub under them to get the slimy poison and froth to drain out of them into the wash tub. That I would strain and dry out. And then I intended to get some clay and make three big clay pots, each one to fit inside the other and each one a little harder than the next one. Then I was going to fill all three pots with poison. I was going to put them all in one, in the bottom of the swamp that flows into the reservoir that supplies the town and poison all the water. Okay, if you had a hard time following that, he was going to poison the pigs and then drain the poison, you know, blood, blood and whatever, and whatever fucking bowel and vi- shit came out of them. fluid out of the pigs and then let let it let it dry up and make 
he'd yeah. strain it out. He'd put it in a, a pot and then into another pot and another pot. And yeah, he Russianed I all of the pots. I think I know what he was going for. I think I know how this works. It'd be like a fucking time release pill. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I'm thinking like the like chlorinating a swimming pool or something. I get it, but God, that's the most convoluted bullshit. Well, he's, he'd mentioned some pikers, which I don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah. They did it on a smaller scale, but he was making big improvements to the plan because he didn't believe they killed enough. Oh, sure, Quote, sure. They should have killed everybody and left this world for the only good thing in it. Nature. <laughs> this would be a day I'm a fine... <laughs> <laughs> Shit. He's a nature lover. He is. This would be a damn fine world if man was out of it. He's like an eco-terrorist. He is, really. Um, but less than two months after he was released, Carl committed ten burglaries and a murder in Baltimore. So Yeah, he couldn't keep the burglary in his pants for any fucking time. Or, and you know. it wasn't for, you know, the stuff that he had planned on stealing anyway. Yeah, he just went all... He stole a radio from a prominent dentist in Washington, D.C. And his crime led to a sentence that resulted in jail time for the rest of his life. So, on August 10th, 1928, the fence he brought the radio to ratted Panzerum out. While awaiting trial, he met a 25-year-old named Henry Lesser. He was a nice and decent man, but he had the correct temperament for the job. He was a pretty short guy, and he was very curious about what about Panzerum and asked him what he did. Carl replied, What I do is reform people, and the only way to reform them is kill them. And this is important. Henry Lesser, very integral part of the story because without Henry Lesser, we don't have this fucking story. Yeah. We're, I'm not, we're not sitting here cracking wise on a history and I'm not doing funny voices without Henry Lesser. Yeah, he was fascinated by Carl and struck up a friendship with him. Once when Panzerum endured a brutal punishment for using his immense strength to loosen his cell bars, which... God, can you imagine? Yeah, he was just... That's what he did. Just they had to check these fucking things his... all the time because he was just like... Ugh, yeah. Ugh. And this also speaks to the fucking, you know, structural integrity of yeah. a fucking cell bar. Really How, are, what are these things in there with fucking Bondo? Yeah, well, Lesser gave Carl a dollar after the torturous ordeal and he completely won him over. Lesser essentially was the guy that became the archivist to Pandrum's accounts, like we said. And (laughs) since no quote-unquote screw had ever done Carl any favors, the gesture from Lesser made him tear up a little. Yeah, I mean, that's big shit. Yeah, it is. He was like, somebody was just nice to him. Yeah, I mean, seriously... The first person that was ever nice to him, pretty much, gave him a dollar. (laughs) I've never had a whole dollar that I didn't rape off of a man. Yeah, that is not a quote. But Carl was still really pretty much crippled. His regular walk appeared to be more of a skip because of the damage to his leg. So, kind of like your walk right now. Damn you. (laughs) Goddamn gout. I know, I know. 
it's the most ridiculous fat person disease there is. It's it's the it's the quickest way to rot your feet off and not have diabetes. It sound, it looks very painful just watching you hobble around. Carl was covered in scars and in constant pain. <clears throat> Somebody else. Um, he wasn't the formidable monster yeah, he you. used to be. Fuck you. <sighs> Given his reputation, he probably had a target on his back. This, if anybody, if you're going to cripple and nerf anybody. Oh, yeah. Carl Pansrim definitely needs Absolutely. a good nerfing. Absolutely. He, he needs to have some of that power taken away because he is a fucking monster. He's a monster still. He, Don't let the skip fool you. No, he He's not as fleet of foot, but he can still murder the shit out of somebody. It's a horrible, horrible. I mean, shit, he tried to rape somebody from his hospital bed. Yeah, he tore right stitches. Right after he had a ball removed. So but the, he was the like, target on his back, I mean, he, uh, it was deserved. I, it was, that was supposed, uh, it was supposed target on yeah. his back. He thought maybe, you know, he was not invincible anymore and right. then maybe, you know, he needed to start. And he probably knew he deserved it. So, you know, if he did have a quote unquote target on his back, it, it wasn't anything he didn't earn. He was basically re- reaching out to Lesser in his own way. Henry, just like us, was a true crime enthusiast in his day, and he saw this wild psychopath as a worthy specimen for study. He gave Carl a pen and paper, and Carl filled page after page with all kinds of stories that were, for the most part, confirmed occurrences. Let me see if I can't find another quote here. Oh, I know you can. Let me see here. I'm not. I can't place some of these in time, so they're yeah. just at random. I mean, he was a gold mine of just terrible I mean, and interesting was, information. Oh yeah, he was great. This should have probably been around this time. I am 36 years old, and I have been a criminal all of my life. I have 11 felony convictions against me. I have served 20 years of my life in jails, reform schools and prisons. I know why I'm a criminal. Others may have different theories as to my life. I have no theory about it. I know the facts. If any man ever was a habitual criminal, I am one. In my lifetime, I have broken every law was ever made by both man and God. If either had made more, I should cheerfully have broken them also. The mere fact that I have done these things is quite significant for the average person. Very few people ever consider it worthwhile to wonder why I am, what I am, and do what I do. All they think it is necessary to do is catch me, try to convict me, and send me to prison for a few years, make life miserable for me while in prison, and turn me loose again. That is the system that is in practice today in this country. The consequences are that such that anyone and everyone can see crime and lots of it. Those who are sincere in their desire to put down crime are to be pitied for all their efforts, which accomplish so little in the desired direction. They are the ones who are deceived by their own ignorance and by trickery and greed of others who profit the most by crime. Yeah. Yeah, that's... He was a real wordsmith. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, he, he really... Not a not a bad writing style. I mean, his fucking spelling and grammar was fucking dildos, but... Yeah, this dude... 
the, the, he should have fucking instead of fucking around he should have wrote a book man we, yeah. read that required reading for 8th grade English lit <laughs> yeah. come on Pansram the beauty of nature <laughs> well he gained some more attention from his writings and all the attention that Lesser was giving him he got more punishment for this stuff and during those torture sessions Carl confessed to the murders of the boys in Philadelphia New Haven and Salem Massachusetts while on trial for the radio theft he spoke and showed some acknowledgement of the gravity of his having this attention he wanted to seal his legacy of crime yeah, I mean, he's wanting his story fucking told. I mean, that's I mean, that's the the ego of any criminal is we give them cool names and we like plaster their face all over and we do podcasts on them. It's over glorification of these terrible, terrible fucking men. I personally am not glorifying anyone, uh, but I do find. I do find it very interesting and fascinating just the the psychology behind what drives people to do this stuff and it's 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 interesting it, but it's, it's nothing to glorify yeah, it's or like, romanticize. It's interesting in like say there's an African village and there's a lion that has or lioness either way that has eaten three quarters of the limbs in the village. Yeah, that's an interesting fucking story, but I'm not patting the line on the back for that shit. That's not even that interesting, really. Yeah, but (laughs) if you got to watch it, if you witnessed Uh, a few of those limbs being taken. Yeah, I don't know... I don't know how much better that would make it, but... I'd buy that for a dollar. I know you would. Okay, we got another quote here. <laughs> Has oh, your voice, voice rested enough? Oh, oh, my voice is the epitome of meanness. <laughs> okay. Anyway, here he is in court. You people called me here, charged me with housebreaking and larceny. I am guilty. I broke in, and I stole. What I didn't steal, I smashed. If the owner had come in, I would knock his brains out. And he's making, he would made good on that. Oh, yeah. Seeing as he's, he's knocked the brains out before. There's nothing else you should know. While you were there trying me here, I was trying all of you too. That, that sounds really bad, but I'm taking it out of context. I found you guilty. So he's basically, no, you. (laughs) I'm rubber, you're glue. (laughs) I found you guilty. Some of you, I executed. If I live, I'll execute some more of you. I hate the whole human race. Broken fucking record. Mm. You think I'm playing crazy, don't you? I'm not. I know right from wrong. No delusions. I don't hear anything you don't hear. My conscience doesn't bother me. I have no conscience. Now, if he did, he mentions his conscience and it doesn't bother him and then says he has no conscience. Which one is it, Pansrum? Uh, this inconsistencies, come on. I believe the whole human race should be exterminated. I'll do my best to do it every chance I get. Now... I've done my duty. You do yours. Well, that won him a lot of fans um, in the courtroom, and 
they let him off pretty easy after that. Just if this was televised, there would be women in love with Pansrum. No, I mean, seriously, there might have been anyway. It the, doesn't have to do with it. It would being not televised. be reciprocated because no, no, because they're, they're gross. They've got dirty, yucky crotch. It looks like viruses. an axe wound. <laughs> Uh, well, Pandrum would be sentenced to 20 years back in Leavenworth, so we're getting back to where we started from. <laughs> yeah, he gets thrown back in Gone Leavenworth. Full circle. You know, at least he knows the knows the walk. Yeah, before being transferred, Henry Lesser had to inspect Pandrum's bars uh, to make sure none of them were loose. Because that's a thing they had to do because he fucking was loosening them all the time. So Lesser turned his back on Carl... But Carl warned him not to do that. He said it was very brave of Lesser, but Lesser didn't believe Carl would hurt him. He had this kind of weird, like, we're friends, I'm safe, <laughs> just weird <laughs> ideas. Um, but <laughs> Carl, Carl's basically, have you not read right. any of the things I've written to you? Yeah, I mean, didn't he hear about the safe cracker? But anyway, I on... wonder if Henry Lesser was. Broken to rod. Ew. I don't know. He's a short fella. On January 30th, Lesser did deliver Carl to Leavenworth, and they parted ways, but they did continue to write. So, you know, maybe Henry Lesser was right, and Carl wasn't a threat to him. Yeah, Carl would continue to write Henry. Carl would write Henry more than Henry would write back, and Carl would often... (sighs) He'd get disappointed whenever Lesser didn't write back quick enough, yeah. and he would be—he'd almost be like a like pouty, a pouty, jilted girlfriend. If you don't want to write to me, don't write back at all. Fine, fine, fine. I get it. Whatever. I gotta go. <laughs> Fuck you! Don't say that, Carl. Boys. <laughs> That's your catchphrase. It is. You've got. Slow cook crock pot pussy, and I've got whatever. I gotta go. <laughs> During processing, Carl said he would kill the first man who bothered him. He was put on laundry detail. The laundry room was overseen by KKK leader Robert Warnke. Pan's room, now crippled, was still feared. While working in the laundry room, Carl would launder extra handkerchiefs for pocket change. In the for the prison canteen, Warnke caught him and knocked him down to, third, to third grade, grade status. status. He was put in solitary, solitary, and required to be silent. He was why the fuck was Carl? Yeah, in the second or first grade anyway. I probably because they thought since he was physically impaired, he couldn't do as much damage because since they're a bunch been, of fucking dumbasses. Yeah, but since he'd been there, he had confessed yeah. to. Oh yeah boy sodomizing and murder and all kinds of horrible shit not to mention what he he was writing to Henry Lesser which I I think Lesser was obligated to pony some of that shit up yeah maybe some I don't know he didn't get confidentiality there was no guard prisoner I guess not agreement there but he wasn't allowed any mail he wasn't allowed any commissary goods and he couldn't view his monthly prison movie so you know he was grounded. No steamboat willy for you. Nope. Usually when someone was knocked down to in status, they had to move to a different work detail to prevent any attempts of revenge for the demotion. But Carl was sent right back to the laundry room. Warnke brought him 
back to help keep up his appearances. Yeah, he didn't want to look like a bitch. Yeah, he'd look weak if he sent Carl somewhere else. Carl calmed down and kept a low profile until about June 20th, 1929. There was prison construction taking place, and Carl found a crate of iron bars stored in the laundry room. Yeah, because they just had that shit sitting around. Yeah, so he found these iron bars, and, um, you know, you could probably use your imagination and figure out what's going to come next, but... I'll tell you anyway, he hid and he waited for Warnke and smashed Warnke's head into a slurry. Oh, fuck he, him. Yeah, he... He's a Klansman. That's... Yeah, yeah, exactly. He had it coming. Carl should have got a lot of sentence for it. <laughs> well, he went after the other laundry workers and an official who de- denied his work transfer. He didn't manage to kill anyone else, though, just Warnke. But, you know, it was because he was all crippled up and... Wasn't really up to snuff anymore. He couldn't couldn't move around as fast as he used to. <laughs> he had, if he got the jump on somebody, sure. But yeah, but <laughs> if you see him skipping towards you with the iron bar, you yeah. got plenty of time to get out of there. So when he realized that he wasn't going to catch up with anybody, he just sat down and chilled out, relaxed a little, and waited pretty much to be picked up. He was indicted for first degree murder on December fifth, nineteen twenty nine. They were already processing other indictments, but this one pretty much sealed his fate. And he was ready to die anyway. Well, this is around the time where we talked about the chair. Well, this is what Carl would say. Hurry up and bring on your electric chair. I want to leave here and take a nosedive into the next world just to see if that one is as lousy as this ball of mud and meanness. I am sorry for only two things. These two things are, I am sorry that I have mistreated some few animals in my lifetime. He did beat up those horses when he was in the circus. And I am sorry that I am unable to murder the whole damn human race. <laughs> I'm starting to think he doesn't like people. Oh. <laughs> hey, I get it. I'm, I don't have the same disdain, but I'm not a huge fan most days. But sadly, Carl wouldn't see the electric chair. He was sentenced to hang. In his will, he left his body to a dog catcher. And and to the human race, he left a non-specific, mysterious curse. (laughs) (laughs) A riot delayed the trial, though. Carl wanted to act as his own attorney. I know. Crazy, right? Not that Carl. You know what I think Carl should do? Carl better call Saul. <laughs> Saul could have got him off. Yeah. And then <laughs> Sorry, he could have got him out of prison. <laughs> poor, poor, poor choice of words. Carl wanted to act as his own attorney and plead not guilty to get a guaranteed death, but his request was denied. He was assigned an attorney and tried the insanity defense, but it wasn't happening. He was dead set on getting the death penalty, and since capital punish was illegal in Kansas... It was a special situation. He wasn't supposed to be able to get it, but Leavenworth was a federal facility, and they were able to carry out the execution. Carl had written letters to him letting them know that he wasn't having them impede his progress. And this is Carl in his letter to the to the death penalty protesters. I wish you all had one neck and that my hands were on it. He went on to express how hopeless was, reform was for him and 
he ended the letter with, My motto is, rob them all, rape them all, kill them all. <sighs> I guess if he named himself like, like BTK did, he'd be RRK. Because, you know, BTK named himself for buying yeah. them, tortured them, killed them. <sighs> this is... He would be... <laughs> He would be SMS. Sodomy. Murder. Sodomy. <laughs> <laughs> if, there's, if there's room for arson, we'll put that one, an A in there, too. In Carl's last-ditch effort to spit in the face of authority, he attempted suicide two weeks before his scheduled execution. He hid a plate of beans in his cell and let them rot. And then he ate the rotten beans and used a sharp button to open an artery on his leg. Yeah, I guess he was just going for the twofer, you know, if one doesn't kill him, one the other one will. But they found him, patched him up, and pumped his stomach. Here's a quote. So if I succeeded in my effort at suicide tonight, then this will sure be my last I'll ever say or write on this earth. The choice is mine. And I fully realize just what I'm doing. I would like to have it known just why I do this. I had no choice about coming into this world and nearly all my 38 years in it. I have had very little to say about how I should live my life. People have driven me into doing everything I ever done. Now the time has come when I refuse to be driven any further. Tonight I die and tomorrow I go to the grave farther than that no man can drive me. I am sure glad to leave this lousy world and the lousier people that live in it. But of all the lousy people in the world, I believe that I'm the lousiest of them all. Today I am dirty, but tomorrow I'll just be dirt. I think he might have been right about one thing. He might have possibly been the lousiest of them all. I don't know. He's no Dennis Rader. <sighs> They, Carl at least had the brain damage. Yeah, Dennis Raider's just gross, fucking scum. Uh, anyway, maybe we'll go more into him a little later. But the night before his execution, Carl sang a made-up song. Sang made-up songs all night, according to a cell block mate, Robert Shroud, later known as the Birdman of Alcatraz. Shroud thought Pan's room was mostly full of shit with his stories, though. Yeah, I don't know. Shroud, I guess, had to add another chapter to his book, so he talked about how full of shit Pan's room was. But the Birdman was pretty full of shit himself, if you ever look into him. And personally, I don't I don't really cotton much to people who deal with, like, birds and lizards and shit like that. They're, yeah, he's a weird fucker. They're in league with the reptilians. Check for those second set of eyelids but yeah um, apparently he sang this song um, in his cell all night long that uh, was about either his butthole or one he had laid proper claim to yeah it was he loves his round eye a round I, eye I don't know yeah if I it, can only that, I can only imagine that means a butthole right? it was in his possession but we're not sure at what which capacity the morning of his execution, Carl practically dragged his escorts to the gallows because he was so eager to die. Here were his last words. Yes, hurry it up, you Hoosier bastard. I could kill a dozen men while you're fooling around. And you call him a he Hoosier bastard. Could. Yeah, he definitely could. But uh, he just, 
How did he, did he like just talk to this guy beforehand? And the guy's like, "Yeah, I'm from Indiana." <laughs> and he's like, "You who's your bastard?" <laughs> I don't know. But on de- December fifth, nineteen thirty, Carl Panzram would hang until dead. This would be forty years before Henry Lesser would get the letters and accounts published. And this is how we're telling you Carl Panzram's horrible history abridged. And that's Carl Panzram, and fuck, I'm so ready to wash my hands of him. But I'll leave you with this last quote from him. If you or anyone else will take the trouble and have the intelligence and patience to follow and examine every one of my crimes and actions, you will find that I have consistently followed one idea through all my life. What? I preyed upon the weak. The harmless or unsuspecting. Those I've harmed were all either weaklings, either mentally or physically. Those who were strong in either mind or body, I first lied to and led into a trap where they were either asleep or drunk or helpless in some way. I had all the best of it. Because I knew ahead of time just what to expect, and the others did not. I therefore was strong in my knowledge, and stronger in my body than those preyed upon. What? The lesson I was taught by others... Yeah! Might makes right. Okay! And that'll wrap it up, kids. Yep, that's Carl Pansrum. Oh, man. Go do something fun and, you know, not full of murder and sodomy for a little while until we release our next episode anyway. Unless that's what you're into. I mean, yeah, but everybody's got to have a break sometime, I think. I don't know. You should. You should. Even if you don't think you need one, you you should take a little break now. But I thank you for listening. I've got to edit this shit and then here in a little bit. It's a couple days, weeks, whatever. (laughs) We'll figure out another episode, another series maybe, another bit of macabre subject matter (laughs) to bring you another Horrible Horrible History History Abridged. Abridged. Peace. Good night. This has been a One More Mosh Pit production. Available on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Basically, wherever you can find quality podcasts. If you liked what you heard here today, spread the word. Or go check us out on Facebook. We have a page. You can come and like and follow us and keep up with all our stuff. And you know what? If you didn't like what you heard here today, keep that shit to yourself, huh? 